Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. To another episode. Another, another week. Time. Yeah, another week. <laughs> How are you feeling today, Adam? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? A little bit sleepy, but good. A little bit sleepy. Yeah. Had a bad sleep last night. Don't know why, but that's all right. That'll be rectified tonight because I'm going to bed at like... 4 p.m. Pretty much. As soon as this podcast is over, I'm in bed. But <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. I've There's a lot happening, I think, for the both of us, which is exciting. I don't know. Do you ever get really overwhelmed or do you just like push through? Uh, yeah, I have my moments. It yeah. depends. Honestly, with more lack of sleep, yeah. like, it's more overwhelming. It's like sometimes I feel like this is all too much and the world's falling apart and then I go to bed and I wake up the next day and I'm like... No, we're good. <laughs> like, actually, not all that bad. So there's a lot to be said on just like actually sleeping well and how that. Oh, dude, I have been a terrible sleeper since I was a child. My mom used to always say like, "You just never slept," and I'm trying to like not tell myself I'm a bad sleeper and try to actually change the narrative by doing you know nighttime routines and just trying to change things up. Like I'm in bed by nine, but I just feel like my sleep isn't deep enough and then i'm up at four but my body wakes up at four i don't half the time i don't even set alarms you should get a whoop band have you seen this i've seen yeah yeah my little arm band get naked here but like i've got anyway yeah i've seen i got an arm arm band uh and it tracks my sleep and i can we can show like a screenshot of like yeah i've seen it he um didn't he just sell his business for like CEO of that company. I don't know. Oh my god! Billions. Sold it for billions. Yeah, literally. no surprise. It's a good, it's a good app, it's a good program. But um, yeah. So I mean, I now I'm like starting to tweak how I sleep and like when I sleep and when I like, you know, if I have a late night and then like the consequence mm. of that on my um, like REM sleep and deep sleep. If I'm not in my same room, if I'm like somewhere else, there's like you know, if I eat chocolate at night or like. When I eat food, that all impacts the way that you sleep when the coffee, when you drink coffee and you can like track, there's like a journal you can write each time. It gives you questions and stuff and you can like add to that journal and you get, begin to get a really robust sense of what's going on and you can begin to track very clearly what the hell is going on. But yeah, I, I highly recommend you looking into that. I think it's a foundation. I gotta do something about it. Mike is like flipping out. Hey. Cheers. We're still on the tech. We're still figuring out the tech. Did you say thanks, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Okay. So today we're not here to talk about sleep, although sleep is important. Make sure you do get your seven plus hours because I clearly don't. Um, but today's episode is actually about a question. What question, Mom? Have I asked you this question? I don't even know if I have. You've never asked me this question. Okay. Um, well, it's a question that at the beginning of the year, I started asking myself after I read a book called A Year to Live. Mm-hmm. And it's by Stephen Levine. And he was a guy who did this experiment. He wanted to see what would happen in a year if he lived as if he was going to die. So this guy quite literally did these exercises and the book talks you through the exercises and things he did where it was like he was just deteriorating as the year went on. So then I think by September it was, he had to spend like three days with his hands tied around his back um, to get that sensation or that feeling of like when you start to lose mobility, when you get older. Yeah. Like he took it, he took it literally, literally. Um, And then what it's like when you have to surrender and let other people help you. 
And so it's a really, really interesting book, but that question kind of just stuck with me where I was like, whoa, shit, what would I do if I had a year to live? And then it became my own experiment. I started asking myself that question. So I wrote down a list of things that I would want to do. Then I went out and just out of curiosity started asking other people the question. And then it kind of came the basis of how I set up my year this year. And it was so interesting because you, like for me, my answer straight off the bat was I'm already doing it. Like I'm doing the things I would do. I'm spending more time outside. I'm spending more time doing creative and fun projects. I'm spending more time with people who are close to me that actually make me feel alive instead of just drain the energy from me. Um, And yeah, sure. There was like these little things that I wanted to do as well. Um, But then asking other people that question, some people, it really messed with their heads. (laughs) like really messed with it because they've never stopped to ask themselves that question. But then there were people that didn't really think about it and would give you the kind of the same old um, answers like, oh, I would just travel the world. It's like, would you really though? Like, would you really? So, yeah, I, I wanted to start this episode off kind of discussing the things that I've experienced this year just by asking that question and the places that that question has also led me and the experiences I've had because I simply asked myself that. Um, and then kind of talk a bit about things like, you know, bucket lists and, you know, when we have these dreams and the steps we have to take to actually start making those things happen because they don't happen overnight. But I think the older that we get, we start to lose touch with the little kid that had those big dreams when they were younger because the world just gets its hands on yeah. you and you start to lose, you know, trust in yourself and belief in yourself. Responsibility starts to Absolutely. be added. Yeah, but I think, like, we're both similar in the sense that, like, that curiosity leads us down paths. Sometimes we get in trouble for it, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, one of the most important I don't know. It's a, is it a skill? No, it's not really a skill. Traits, I guess. I think as we get older, we should keep trying to dig out and bring back to life because that childhood, that childlike innocence. And even, I mean, you could call it, is it naivety? No, I just think that like, I think we're all going to die. Well, we're all, we're we're all all going to, we're we're definitely all going to die. And the grand in the reality is that none of this really matters and legit <laughs> there's like you can take it two ways and be like oh none of it matters i'm just gonna sit here and do nothing and because none of it matters or you're like none of it matters it's all a game let's just have fun, fun. With it. yeah exactly. Uh, because you know there's some great things you can do and you want to probably do positive things but like realistically doesn't really matter. No, I don't know. It's it's just so interesting. So, uh, what would you do if you knew you had a year to live? Jeez, you put me on the spot here. <laughs> well, rip the bandit up for sure. Um, what do you want? Do you want me to ask you at the end once we explore this topic a bit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah? I'll ask I mean, you. I want to. I want to give this a thoughtful answer, yeah. and I don't think I've. It'll take. I'll be sitting here for ten minutes. Just. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about it until you um well what i i'll start with where i kind of was at the start of the year with this whole thing so i um well as you know was doing something completely different to this podcast now and all the things that i'm doing currently um but that one question i've got to tell the story behind it first so i recently got back from a trip 
from Africa. And Africa was not on the plan this year at all. I did. I had no intention of going. Like, always wanted to go, but just not this year. And I was at the waterfront down here in Geelong one morning. And I went down to ask people that question and record their answers. Anyway, there was a woman there. And I saw her from the corner of my eye. And I could just tell she wanted to come and talk to me. But because I was, like, busy with other people, I didn't get the chance to talk to her before I left. Anyway, she ended up reaching out to me on Instagram. How did she find you? Um, I think it was because uh, Laura had meant one of the girls there had mentioned saying, "Oh, this is Mon. She's doing this YouTube series called You Live. If yeah. it's okay, she'll ask you this question." Yada yada. So she ended up finding me on Instagram. Anyway, long story short, we caught up for coffee, and she said to me, "I have an answer to that question, but my answer." is very different to most people's. And mm. immediately I was like, oh, I'm curious. Yeah. Please tell me more. Yeah. And we caught off a coffee. She tells me the story about how her daughter, who was seven, uh, sorry, she was 15 when she got diagnosed with a really rare brain cancer. She was 17 when she passed away and she passed away like at the peak of COVID. And I was just like, whoa, shit. Like I wasn't expecting this to be the answer. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we kept chatting a bit and um, she was like, you know, it was interesting because watching Lauren, who was, you know, at the, she was a teenager. So Lauren's daughter. Lauren's a daughter. Yeah, sorry. So Kerry is her mom. Lauren is uh, her daughter. She was like, you know, having to watch your teenage child who's about to embark on this incredible trip. Mind you, she got back from an exchange in Paris and then she got sick like almost oh, immediately. Right. So she's 15. Yeah. So she just got this like taste of life and like traveling as a kid. And then she came home and basically it got ripped out from under her. Um, and it was kind of like a rapid decline. Like it wasn't from when she passed away to, so when she was diagnosed to when she passed away, um, it just kind of was like, oh, and then just downhill. So anyway, Carrie's explaining this all to me and I was like, holy shit. And all I kept thinking about was why did I meet this woman? Like why? Has this woman come into my orbit? Why? Anyway, and then we caught up again a second time. And um, I, she, she ended up telling me that Lauren had this bucket list of things she wanted to do before she died. Mm. And number one on the list was to see the elephants in the wild in Africa. And she was obsessed with elephants, right? And my pea brain is like, I have to make this happen. <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm going to make this happen, but I have to make this happen. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm like, oh, where do I even begin with something like this? And so I left it for a little bit and I was trying to like behind the scenes, make it all happen. Long story short, I ended up making it happen, but it was all because I had asked that question on the beach, you know, what would you do if you had a year to live? And so we ended up take, I ended up taking Carrie to Kenya. Um, it was a sponsored trip. Thanks to Intrepid. If anyone from Intrepid is watching this. Um, and yeah, we got to witness and experience the elephants in the wild. And there were so many moments where it wasn't just me and Carrie that felt it, but our whole group felt like Lauren was there with us. Yeah. And then it got me thinking about how, you know, you meet people or you go and have these experiences and you're always exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Because from that moment being there in Kenya, everything else opened up. I feel like there's a, um, is it worth us talking about? You kind of skimmed over this little fact that you're like, oh, I met this girl and then I flew her to Kenya. <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of like what happened though. Yeah, yeah but go, go, go. There's, I mean, for the sake of like the podcast and for the sake of people to understand like the inner workings of crazy outcomes that, you know, most people would think like 
maybe talk about the steps that led you to go, cool, this is an interesting idea. And mm. then wait, this has actually happened. Yeah. And we got to this outcome and it was covered by a, like a sponsor. Like it wasn't even like you, <laughs> you said, I'm going to pay for this. Like you came up with this idea and you pitched it yeah. and you got somebody on board and then you delivered it. Yeah, definitely. It, I think the idea came because I was like, this is actually mental. And if I can pull this off, this is pulling something off that I thought was kind of impossible. And so I guess the steps that I sort of took was for me, it's always about story and Kerry's story hit me hard. Cause I was like, this is a horrible thing, not just for a mother to experience, but after the two shitty years that we've had, like, I just want to do something good and nice for this woman. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I basically put together this whole pitch pack and explained who I was, what I do, why I wanted to make this happen for Kerry and her daughter, like for her to experience her daughter's dream as well. And it was around that question where I, you know, explained, I'm asking people this question because I think it's a good way after the two years that we have experienced constantly living in fear. And now that we're on the kind of other side of it where we're able to like go and travel we're able to do these things again and get back to normal life people are going to have the option to go and do something more with their lives or still sit in that state of fear and so my hopes were to inspire people to actually go out and do that something more whatever that something more might be by asking that question yeah so reaching out to them I'll give you a good marketing tip. This is like a a little buy product because everybody always asks me, how do you pitch to a company? And having worked in marketing and big corporate companies, I know what to look for when people are serious or when people are just like, eh, whatever. Go onto a brand's page. So you know the brand you want to reach out to. Go onto the brand's page and literally find what their mission statement is and their value statement is. And if your value statement aligns with that, literally include it in the pitch pack because it shows that you've actually given enough thought to research the brand and what they value the most. So for example, Intrepid, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but Intrepids were about like finding joyful experiences through travel. And so that's me like that's exactly what I do but I added the spin on it where it was um showcasing joyful experiences through the art of storytelling and so obviously it's a match made in heaven because I'm going to go I'm going to share the story tell the story of not only this woman but also how this really conscious company helped me make this woman and her daughter's dream come true hot tip I mean I think that's a that's a good lesson for like anything you do in life do a bit of research. Absolutely. Like put a lit that little bit of extra That's effort it. in really goes a long way. Yeah. I'm I'm really bad when it comes to that sort of stuff. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad with it. Like I think my issue with that sort of stuff is like I I know I should do it, but then the putting the time in and getting the mental space yeah. and the focus to go, this is gonna be how I'm gonna tackle it and I'm gonna go those extra 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 little steps. I find challenging and I don't know if it's maybe like an ADD thing. <laughs> I, I really don't know. But it's something I like have to really work yeah. to do or get somebody um, on my team who is a bit more those little one percenters and then I'm a bit more like, you know, overarching direction. That's generally. This one I think was super easy for me because it really meant something to me. And so, I mean, we spoke about it in the last podcast episode when you actually understand why you're doing what you're doing and what it's for, 
and how it's not only going to benefit you but other people as well. Mm. This might be me personally, but nothing distracts me. Nothing, like I will get it done because I'm like, this is too important for me to not put in 100% or fuck it up or anything like that. So it has to have my full undivided attention. And I like, there wasn't even like this inkling of doubt in me that it wasn't going to happen. And the funny story is, right, so again, what this whole experience taught me was how to also surrender and let go when required because when I pitched this thing initially to Intrepid, they'd come back to me and I'd, I'd said Africa is the dream. Um, and they'd said to me, the team over there, they're not um, – because they're like really new and we've kind of just reopened everything up to Africa, you're probably better off going to Sri Lanka because mm-hmm. the team has more experience. Um, so if it's cool with you, we'd like to send you there. And I was like, you send me anywhere. Like if this is a sponsored trip, send me anywhere. As long as I see elephants in the wild, I'm sweet. And I remember telling my friend about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to uh, Sri Lanka. And she's like, oh, that's so cool. And I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm going to Africa. And she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just feel like it's going to be Africa. (laughs) And she's like, dude, you're going to Sri Lanka. They're very different countries. I'm like, well, one's a continent and one's a country. Um, I was like, I know, but the list said <laughs> like fucking list. But I let it go. I yeah, was like, yeah. also be grateful, let it go. Yeah. So then I finally announced this thing that I've been working on for like two and a half months um, behind the scenes. Announced it on my old podcast to Kerry, like live. Um, like, yeah, we're going to Sri Lanka to see the elephants, whatever, whatever. And she was so excited and beside herself. I know she's probably listening to this. Hey, Kerry. Um, and Two days later, Sri Lanka basically shuts down Yeah. because of all the riots that were happening over there. And someone had messaged, one of my friends had messaged me being like, dude, are you still going to be going? Like, have you been watching the news? And I hadn't been. And I saw, and my first instinct was, huh, (laughs) damn, like, okay, maybe we're not meant to go. Like, so then it was going back to uh, the team and saying like, hey guys, just wanted to see what's going on. I've been seeing what's happening on the news. Can we still go or are we pushing this back? And she comes back to me and she's like, okay, we've got three options. You can still go because the team over there is saying it's okay. So it's up to you, but you might not have electricity for the entire time you're there. And I was like, I mean, doable, but like not sure how enjoyable. Um, We can push it back later in the year. And I was like, cool, viable option, like potentially like annoying, but we can make that work. The third option was, or we can send you to Kenya. (laughs) And I was like, Kenya, Africa. And she's like... Can you repeat that? (laughs) One more time for the people in the back. And she's like, yeah, if you're happy to go like to Kenya, then we can send you there. And I was just like, I knew. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Um, But it was just this really beautiful example of like just not trying to fight what was not meant to happen and be and just being like, all right, cool, I'm just going to ride this wave and just see where it takes me. And it's really difficult to do and I never used to be able to do that. But this was just like one of those beautiful moments where it's like, wow, you put in the work, you're doing a good thing for somebody and it's actually paying off now. Like you get to just ride this wave and enjoy it. So just enjoy it. And it was the best trip of my life. Like I couldn't have, you couldn't have written a script for a movie that was better than that trip. Seriously. Well, I mean, now you can because you've had the real life experience and now you could add to it and make it a script. 
But then this is the second part, right? So that question led me to meeting this woman that led me to Kenya, um, having this incredible experience meeting all these new people as well. And then on that trip, this thing that was not meant to happen happened. So part of the trip, um, which wasn't supposed to happen, was we went to this school. We visited a school. And that visit, like I'll say, it changed the whole trajectory of my life. Like my purpose as of right now at 27 has completely changed and all I care about is making this next project happen that has to do with the school in Kenya. Like nothing else right now matters to me. Things matter. Except for the podcast, of course. The podcast does matter. (laughs) We can do one in Kenya. (laughs) But, you know, before, you know, my whole goal was I just, I want to be a YouTuber, make money off YouTube and then help people that way. Now I'm like... No, I want to, this is, this is my thing right now. That could change in five years time, but right now this is all I care about. And so that one experience made me really reflective on all the other times in my life that that's happened, especially when things that were deemed bad or negative or shit, I look back at those moments and go, yeah, but if that stuff didn't happen, that wouldn't have led me or opened this door. I wouldn't be doing a podcast with you. Like things like that where I'm just like, wow, I'm just so grateful for these experiences and it's hard when you're in it to see anything but it. Yeah. Um, but I think holding on to that little bit of like, yeah, again, curiosity or like hope, it breeds excitement because now I can sit in the unknown or the uncertainty and be like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Where do we go? My life's a movie. What's the next like <laughs> scene going to look like? There's that, that fun little saying that I like where it's like you can't see the label in the jar. Ah, that was clever. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, I like it too. <laughs> I'm going to use Shout that Shout out a lot. to the Mindset Mentor podcast. It's like Rob Dial's podcast. Oh, yes, yes, I yes. Used, I went to a phase where I listened to that like every day for like a year. Yeah. And that was one of the quotes. He's got some good little one-liners. I really like that guy. That's clever. But um, yeah, have you had an experience kind of not simple, similar but not similar? Or did you go to Kenya and have a life-changing experience? No, I haven't gone to Kenya yet and had a life-changing experience. Um, But, you know, (laughs) (laughs) who knows where. So just like, what do you mean? Just like, has there ever been a moment where you kind of look back on now and go, shit, I'm glad that happened. But at the time, it was the worst fucking thing ever. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, heaps. Um, I mean, the the biggest one that came up for me was probably like, a breakup yeah. like there was one one breakup that just completely like cooked me <laughs> for like better Done. just cooked me yeah for like a while too good like six to twelve months it was oh, like wow. yeah, it was, yeah it was rough um and the it occurred because of a bunch of issues and those issues were like me and then the there was a lot of work that followed that time period yeah. and a lot of like pain, but you know, fast forward to three years down the line, I look back and I'm like, fuck, I love who I am now. And who I am now has come from in part that situation occurring and that pain having to mm-hmm. happen. And then me going, Oh shit. All right. What are my options here? Yeah. I can like, like, that was where that was a legitimate like thought, which yeah. is which is really fucked. I've no, never I, been. I, I get I I get it. Yeah. Trust me, more than you know. But the alternative was like that, or it's like, all right, well, 
what, you know, drown my sorrows in alcohol and drugs and etc., which wasn't something I felt like, well, I mean, I wanted to, one part of me wanted to, but like there was a little voice in my head that's like, nah, you know, this is a chance for you to like sit with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then, and then that third option was like really just sitting with it and, and through sitting with it, I've grown significantly and I'm a lot more centered and I'm a lot more calmer and I'm making better decisions most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. Um, Say, so, well, most of the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they get always right. But, yeah, so that would be one. And then um, probably COVID in the events world was really challenging. Yeah. And, like, there's been multiple times in working in events where yeah. my core business or core earnings have been just like ripped out from under me you know something I've built up and it just gets taken away like big venue you know when we used to run it as a club night uh, like at the Geelong Hotel back in the day like losing that venue that was like oh shit Um, and then COVID was like oh shit and it was like every time that's happened I've had to go back and go all right well who am I because especially in the industry that I'm in, um, you can get swept up in it because there's a lot of like, there's a lot of attention. There's a lot of like people you're meeting, people constantly. And it's exciting as well. It is exciting. But then it's like, yeah, I'm this. I'm this person who does this thing and that inextricably ties into me as a person. But the reality is that it's not me. It's a part of, yeah. it's just one piece of like this, complex this fundamental <laughs> whole. Yeah. yeah. And so there's been like two or three times now in just the last five years in this industry, in this world where I've had to go, oh shit, like what if my whole sense of self was tied to this thing mm-hmm. and my ego was so attached to who I am in this world and now that's gone. Who am I? Who am I? Yeah. And that is hard to figure out. And it's scary because you get, you know, I guess I get, I got used to the attention. Like it's very, you know, I'm constantly getting contacted and called and people are like, oh, I love it. Oh, it's like, cool. And then you kind of like your baseline of expectation of how the world views you gets to that point. But the reality is it's all fucking noise. Like none of it really matters when yeah. push comes to shove. Um, and I've had to resolve that a couple of times now. So now it's like, okay, I'm this person who just does this thing at this point in my life. And, and like every now and again, I'm like, yeah, cool. I get like, straight <laughs> down me. I'm like, no, 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 come back, come back. It doesn't. It's really impressive though. Cause I remember when I first met you and you were telling me all these things you did. And I felt like I had come out of that whole whirlwind with my own businesses and stuff where I did get really caught up in it. Um, and so like hearing you do all these things, I was kind of like, fuck, that used to be me. And like, I I get it, but you, you, you were very good at like pulling yourself back in from what I heard the very first time I met you and just being kind of conscious and mindful of that. And I was like, that's in the industry you're in. That's fucking hard. Like that's, Kudos to I you. I think that's a high five. I'm like, 
<laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do. I was trying to pack you that I realized how far you were. <laughs> you're like, you're like. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, recording. You heard that beep. Beep. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I, it's definitely something that I have tried to actively cultivate and think about. And mm. I think... like you need a bit of ego to like move yeah and and have this like grandiose sense of who you are as a person to like have the ball <laughs> to even get you're, out you're of there. right yeah like it's a tool but when it takes over it's problematic and when it takes over it actually hurts the mission that's and it. what you want to achieve so it's like this, this constant dance of like feeding it a little bit but then like pulling it back um and i have tried a lot to 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 keep it in check and be conscious of who I am and what I do and how like much it's purely, it is just noise, especially in the like music industry and the like entertainment industry is just like a fucking wild place because it's not, we're not meant to be like admired mm. in the thousands or the millions for some people, some artists and stuff are like, it's, it's full on. Yeah. So it takes, it can wrap, you can like, take you and spit you out if you're not careful and you know you see that you see these breakdowns of all these like huge artists because our brains aren't wired to handle it they're not wired to be constantly wired like that yeah. like it's yeah i i see it a lot with um i mean like youtubers and creators that i really admired coming up they all at one point just crash and burn and have um like mental breakdowns or they'd completely burn themselves out because they have started just generating and creating for the masses, not for themselves, themselves. or what their souls actually are trying to like get out. Yeah. And so for me, I always check myself with that sort of stuff because like I always say to people always say to me like, Oh, you should have more subscribers. And you know, the content that you put out is so inspiring, blah, blah, blah. And that means the world to me. Like that's truly humbling what do you think it is that has stopped that from occurring? Like why? I don't follow algorithms. I don't follow the trends. Like I know what it takes to make trending videos and I know I can, I've had a few, but I've not enjoyed creating those videos. Mm. And so for me, it's like, all right, cool. I could definitely go down the route where I could just follow trends. I could follow algorithms. I could, you know, play by the rules. But at the end of the day, you become a hamster on a wheel for who? Yeah. And then what happens when, you know, I've started creating all this content around X, Y, Z. I don't enjoy doing it. And I know myself so well now that the second I stop feeling inspired by doing something, I question it immediately and go, why? Like, why don't you want to do Like, why do you have to try so hard? It shouldn't be this hard if you really, really love it. Sure I things. don't know if I agree with that. Really? Yeah. No, I don't know if I agree with that. I think... Explain. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe the, starting with the trends thing, like, is understanding the rules of the game. I think it's a fundamental yeah. piece of getting it right. Mm. Like, and maybe just, like, having, going down some certain trend directions could not necessarily, like, hurt you if your vision is clear. Yeah. I mean, that's just how, how I, I look at it. Like, it's like, yeah, cool. Maybe I'm like, maybe being like unrelenting in a very specific way can hurt you in the long run because it like locks out yeah. the overall yeah. vision 
and the opportunity for people to engage with you. Um, so that would be the first thing. And then, and then I think inspiration is great and being inspired is great. And I think it gets you off your ass, but I think everything eventually becomes work. It, yeah, absolutely. It, there's always work to it. And it's like the creative process, especially is like an ebb and flow. Yeah. And I don't know if it, have you read the book, the war of art? Yeah. So he talks about like the resistance and like resistance can come in the form of like, Oh, I'm not feeling inspired anymore. Therefore I'm not going to work on it versus like, I'm not feeling inspired, but because this is just, this is just resistance being masked, you know, sneaking up to me Mm, in a different mm. way, in a bit more cunning way. Um, I have to push through it because I know that eventually it will, that will reunite and like giving it that time. No, I agree with that. I think that's kind of where the discipline kicks in of like understanding and knowing the vision and understanding the why. Um, When, for me personally, I'm speaking on my own experiences, when discipline is required, it's doesn't it's not hard work for me like Mm. i just do it because i do it because i know why i'm doing it Mm. for me it's because i'm inspired by that end goal so i'll get there so when do you when do you think that you need to know when it's a clear misalignment to what you should be doing and it's just your like brain being lazy yeah i physically cannot like i cannot like disgusting (laughs) i feel off i get frustrated i get angry yeah and i actually can't even sit down so like all right let's use the podcast for example right right now having to edit these videos it frustrates me it makes me annoyed or whatever but then i think about like the where it's heading and the possibility of it and that is what peaks it so i do it i sit there for two hours and i edit it and then i finish it i'm like done sweet awesome great yeah but if I really didn't align with what we were doing, I would, I like, I just would not do it. Yeah. It's, and maybe it's stubbornness. Maybe it's ego. I don't know, but I think I've done so many things in the past that it was for other people that now I'm like, this just feels off. Like yeah. it feel, I can't even, I can't explain it. I don't know how to even disgusting is probably not even the right word. It just, the it's <laughs> the ick. Yeah. I just feel off. Yeah. It's like everything just shuts down and it's like, nope. Nope. Yeah, I think you're a lot more driven than I am. <laughs> so I fight against the, the lack of desire to do work on a daily basis. <laughs> but I don't get wrong, I enjoy the what's interesting now that I've observed within myself, particularly lately, because all of a sudden I feel like I've taken on a lot more projects yeah. that have kind of come out of nowhere. Um, but they're all so exciting and they're yeah. all so like, they, they give me life. Like I just feel fueled by it. Whereas, you know, at the beginning of the year, yeah, cool. I started a few projects, but I almost knew like when I From went start, into it, yeah. there was this part that was like, yeah. and I wasn't listening to it because I cared too much about lifting other people up yeah. that I would kind of suppress myself. And so And again, if we go back to talking about how in hindsight, these experiences, these moments, these, you know, things that you do or people that you meet at the time when you're in it, you're like, oh, fuck, this is the worst. You come out of it like, you know, six or nine months down the track now. I'm like, 
fuck, I had to go through that again because it was actually a legitimate repeated lesson that I had to learn how weird is this seven years ago. <laughs> it's no joke, word for word conversations I was having with people. I was like, I have literally been here before. Mm. And it was like the universe was going, what are you going to do this time? Yeah, You've been given this opportunity now to just keep trudging. You can keep doing it. Like, you know, you can keep doing it. You know, you can push through and like, but it's going to eat at you and it's going to make you a really crappy person to be around because that's what it did the last time as well. Mm. And the second I did cut it all off and kind of go, I'm done. Like I'm actually done, done. And I don't care what other people have to say. It was like, Oh, you're still fine. Awesome. And then it was like the second that I did that, not even kidding you. It happened again when I just resigned from this job, the fear wasn't even there anymore. It was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I tried. I yeah. gave it my all while souls in it. Still not right. Yeah. So be done with it. Yeah. The second I was like, goodbye, opportunity, like everything just started coming my way to the point where I was overwhelmed, where I was mm. like, holy shit, is this what surrendering actually is? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's interesting. It's like, it's just interesting because I feel, I keep saying to people, I feel like I'm at a place in my life where my life is legitimately a movie <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just watching things going, wow. Interesting. Huh? Like, it's just, it's crazy because, and I mean, we spoke about it when we were talking about meditation and how much space and clarity it can give you in what could feel like a lifetime in a moment that you're experiencing, which often feels like that for me. Um, but it's like 0.1 second in real time. Yeah. So it's just so fascinating because I just look at everything and I'm like, wow, life. Yeah, it's wild. It's mad, literally. Um, But yeah, so. Well, on the note of um, things not aligning and then pushing through them, I, I feel like there's, you know, that one version of like, oh, maybe it'll get better. But I feel like deep down, there's this little voice inside that just kind of knows it just knows and that's been one big thing that i'm like trying to listen to more because i don't listen to i try it like i'll be like huh this feels a little bit off but i can i can with will and logic i can i can put like a little frame around it and i can get what climb over it do you think (laughs) every time it fucking backfires yeah every time Without fail, I, it has backfired. I know. I, I can yeah, vouch for that as well. The only well. time it, it that I that it doesn't this logic doesn't work is when investing in the stock market because it's a like wild ride and you need to pull your. Yeah. I don't know enough about it and I need to pull my like emotions away. Oh, you cannot be on those charts yeah. with emotions. Yeah, something I'm learning very, very hard and fast right now. Yeah, but um, because there's too much information coming to you in that space. But the in and, and like it's not we're not built for that. But like yeah. navigating the world and human experience and other connections and like a general gist of where you want to go. I think the intuition is super valuable. So, but it doesn't and, give you, sorry. Go. No, no, I was going to say, I think the key to it is like the more you start to listen to it and the more you start to say, oh shit, it's right. The more you start to trust yourself and the confidence starts to build. Yeah. And like, 
this is what I feel like I've experienced, particularly like this year, because I have paid close attention to that little voice in the back of my head that's like, I don't think you want to do that. Mm. And then instead of like, yeah, my ego jumping in the front seat being like, yeah, you do. Because ah. like everybody's going to like talk about you and give you that validation that you seek so badly once upon a time. Um, it just keeps getting louder and louder. Now, I can't ignore I legitimately cannot ignore it. And I think that's where sometimes I'll just shut down and be like, no. Yeah. Like, it's not even me. It's literally that intuition that's like, nope. Yeah. Walk away. Well, I mean, the the thing with this is like, if you're spending time doing something that really doesn't align with you, and you know it, but you're just there for like an extended period of time, you haven't begun to set in motion, like moving on from it, we're going to die. And like, I guess every day is like without sounding like a cliche it's like a blessing oh, and absolutely to then not make the most of it that's my biggest fear because of something you're just in yeah that you can move around that you know that you can get out of and you just haven't because you're afraid or like you're just not quite sure on how it's going to work and it's maybe it's feels like a little bit safe in the short term but it's destroying you in the long term mm. yeah it just it's kind of fucked when you think of it that way so this is where i think for me the way i overcame those feelings of constantly playing it safe because i did that for a very very long time yeah, um was to for a period of time actively seek discomfort yeah so you don't have to do that forever right because sometimes feeling safe and secure good thing like we we need that as humans whether it's in relationships whether it's financially whether it's you know having a house over your head a roof over your head but then there are times in our life where i do believe especially if you're feeling stuck and you're like i don't know why i feel stuck in my life right now doing something that's out of the ordinary for you Mm. like um, whatever it doesn't like have ice to baths ice baths. Baths. it could be skydiving it could be going on a random road trip by yourself because you always do things with other people whatever that thing is right having and giving yourself those little bursts of again all it is is do all it's doing is building trust within yourself yeah. and building the confidence to show you nothing bad 99% of the time nothing bad is going to happen if you try to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And for me, like I did go through maybe an extended period of time <laughs> where I was doing that actively, but I'm also very well aware that whilst I was doing it, my ego was getting a kick out of it because then I became the person that was like crazy and wild and this and this and like fucking what's Mon doing this week and blah, blah, blah. And I loved that. And I knew that I loved it. And I rode that wave as well for a little bit. But then it came time where I was like, I don't have anything left to prove because yeah. I've proven it all to myself. I don't care. Yeah. What, like, what, what's my next challenge? I don't know. I'll figure it out when it comes, when the yeah. time comes. And I think like the big check for me came, I started going through these periods where I was really pushing myself physically like, yeah. and mentally, but it was like these physical ridiculous challenges that I was doing to prove to myself that I was strong enough to pull through. And did you pull through? Yeah, two times nearly killed me, but I pulled through. But both on both those, um, like one was a 256k bike ride, and the other one was a 62 kilometer walk carrying 30 kilos on my back. Now I did both things stupidly. I didn't train for either of them. I did not 
eat properly. Like I didn't do anything properly to give myself the best shot. The best shot. Sure. And I knew that. Like I was, I was being an idiot about it. Again, to prove a point, to be like, I can do anything at any time. Would I do that again now? No, I wouldn't. I don't need to. I know yeah. I can if I want is it to. Because you don't need to now because you've proved it to yourself. Yeah, it so is. It, really it really it doesn't matter. Like I have a friend who constantly is like, When are you gonna do the next crazy thing? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. What like what's the definition of crazy? Like yeah. for me right now, it would be the the dream of like going to the Himalayas and skydiving. That's the absolute peak for me. But then it's like what comes after that? Like if you're not, yeah. And I always think like, if you're not content, did I say this the other day? I think I did. If you're not content doing the little things, like the big things, sure. They'll bring you like a certain level of like happiness or joy, but then you've got to go back to your everyday life. And if you can't find those little pockets of like joy, whether it is drinking tea or reading a book or doing a Sudoku puzzle, whatever it might be, that's like you're missing out like yeah. i feel like you're really missing out on the point of life which is those little little moments that make the bigger bigger things or bigger moments like more real yeah i mean if you're not gonna if you're not gonna be happy in those general day-to-day moments you're not gonna probably be really genuinely happy in yeah. the bigger moments i'm actually noticing that i'm having to like go back to baseline again after the last six months and i'm like I've made, I've just been like chaotic. I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> uh, what am I doing? I don't want any of this. Like, <laughs> yeah. But again, I'm, so I feel that. Um, and I'm slowly settling back into just like the normality. But I mean, we can talk about this another time on, this is probably another episode, mm-hmm. but generally like, you know, traveling for six months and just doing a lot of things that I never dreamt I would do. And then, also seeing this opportunity that like maybe this could be my life as well yeah has kind of left me in my existing life being like hmm. <laughs> no i i understand what that could feel like but i don't know i haven't answered this question in my head yet but i don't know if that's just the reality of coming back to, to earth or it's the seed being planted of like what I need to do to move forward because that discomfort generally leads to either you sit with it and you like let it settle yep. or you, you use it as fuel to make a move and yeah so far I've used them as fuels to make moves and as, it, as I'm like getting more and more comfortable back in my like normal life I'm like do I even want this <laughs> like but I don't know. Maybe yeah. I do. But I'm very conscious of also the, that like feeling that way at that moment isn't going to last forever because you're going to go back down to your like, you know, your surroundings will drag you into that like that baseline again. Um, and I've seen that there's an opportunity to be here. And I think that's why it's so critical to have like when you're at baseline, those little things that do ground you and root yeah. you, whether it is meditating, whether it is, you know, again, coffee or whatever it might be. Um, that's, that's, I feel like how I kind of plant my feet back into the ground because I, I, I used to always get this question because similar to you, one of the big kind of changing factors in my life was a relationship breakup as well. Yeah. Um, up until that point, like my life was pretty much set for me. Like I knew I had the five year plan. It was, I was going to get married by these investment properties 
have kids by 25, like I'm turning 28, like me having a child right now is like, (laughs) um, but you know, like I had that plan laid out for me because that's how the people before me did it. Yeah. So then when I was granted this, like almost second chance, I guess you could say, um, at doing it my way, it just opened up this whole new world. And every single time people ask me like, how did you change? How did you change your life? I keep saying it was the little things. It was the tiny little things because when you start to pay attention to the little things that bring you joy, and I say it to everybody, I'm like, you want to change your life? Pay attention every day to the things that bring you joy. Like that kind of joy that's just really, really overwhelming. Like I said to you the other day, mine is literally reading a good book and having a coffee. And then there's, I don't know if it's actually a quote or a book or someone has said it, so I'm not going to claim it. Um, but they say to plan, like, what would your perfect morning look like? Like if you based your life around what your perfect morning could look like, and if you got to do that every single day, like what would it take for you to do that every single day? Are you already doing it? Like, I don't know. But I asked myself that question and I am doing that. Like yeah. I get to work from wherever. I can have my coffee at a cafe. I can speak to people at cafes. That's how I meet a lot of people. Um, I can work at the cafe. I can, I can at the cafe. make coffee at the cafe. I can be the barista at the I cafe. I can own the cafe. <laughs> I can start a cafe empire. I can start a cafe bookshop. Another one of my dreams. Um, kind of cute. Oh my God, don't steal it because it's literally what I want to do. I mean, maybe we'll do it together. No, well, with a podcast shoot. Yeah, there you go. Um, no, but you know, I just, I think that's the real importance because then you can remind yourself and remember what joy can actually feel like. Yeah. Cause I feel like joy and happiness, they're different. Like joy is like that. I don't know. I couldn't even explain it for me. It's like that. I you can't know, even, ex- I think it's peace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, peace, yeah. Joy. yeah. Um, whereas happiness is that whoop. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Um, well, uh, there's, there's an interesting philosophical kind of analogy when it do you need to go? No, there's an interesting philosophical kind of element to happiness where it's like the moment you create happiness, there's going to be an equal and opposite yeah. crash to the downside at some point. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, because it's the absence of sadness or like, yeah. you know, or that happiness is here and then going back to the baseline, you don't ever just go back to like the center again you go back to the withdrawal of that happiness which brings you lower. So it's all a little bit like irrelevant. Like it's fun and it's great and it's like part of the spectrum of human mm-hmm, emotion, mm-hmm. which is a wide spectrum. Um, but I think, the, I think the key part of it is to kind of have this just like centered light yeah. that just is there and it's like there irrespective of whether you're having a great day and like, everything's going right and it's there when like shit's hit the fan and the weather sucks and you've just like had your car crashed into yeah. and your cat died <laughs> you know what I mean like and, well, I shit. and the podcast doesn't <laughs> film oh. <laughs> and the like, editing is like a nightmare but it's like there's this internal peace yeah and cultivating to that place of peace I think is is the key because if you you can have that place of peace Without much. Absolutely. Like really, really with the bare minimum. Yeah. I you mean. probably have it with like nothing even. Honestly, 
and I mean, it doesn't even take this to get to that place, but going to Kenya and experiencing the kids at this school and just seeing them with next to nothing. Like these kids were playing with a soccer ball that was made out of elephant poo. Yeah, that's lit. And they were the happiest. I've never seen kids smile harder than these Is that kids. like a Nike ball? <laughs> it's it was, really, really going for the target market. It was the shit, literally. <laughs> Get um, it? Yeah. Here's, here's a, anyway. <laughs> you know, they, they just, I mean, obviously they don't know any better than what they've grown up with and what they know in their environment, but it was really hard. And this is where I could say I sort of relate coming back home and coming back to my everyday life because, and I know everything's relative. I understand that, but coming back here and then listening to people complain about things. I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you, what? Yeah. And so, and it it even happened before that going to Nepal and seeing these people who were willing to just give everything that they didn't have. Yeah. Just so you could like have a great time and a great experience. And I was just like, whoa, shit. Like this is, this is hard to digest, like really hard to digest. And coming back to, you know, reality here, I was like, fuck, it just puts everything into perspective. Like yeah. that's, that's really all it does. Um, and yeah. And that's why I always say like, it's having those types of experiences, putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Six years ago, I would have never traveled to places like that. Cause I yeah. needed to stay in a hotel. I needed to have a hair straightener. I needed to have like hot shower. Now I'm like, Oh, fuck that. Like, you want to see the world? You want to see how, like, get, get amongst it. Yeah. The, I think, I think the term for that for us and like for them and, you know, different parts of the world is the hedonistic treadmill. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I've got it here. Uh, theory based on observation that there is a tendency for people to quickly return to a relatively stationary level of happiness or set point despite experiencing major positive or negative events in their life changes. Um, hedonistic adaption. So basically this idea that like irrespective of your surroundings, you'll eventually get to this baseline. So if you've got a billion dollars, you might not necessarily be any happier than like the person who has an okay job and mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. kind of chilling. Maybe I'm more unhappy because like the fundamentals of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah, yeah. aren't being met. Um, yeah, you know, and they might be so happy because they don't know any other yeah. and they have to get to their baseline of happiness. So <clears throat> I guess with people in a privileged position like us to be able to travel the world and be in a, like Australia is a wonderful country. Like it's, it's probably one of the best places in the world to like raise a family and like it's quite safe and you have most things that you could ever need. Um, just understanding that through traveling and through experiencing the world can bring you back to a point where you are so much more content mm-hmm. and so much more grateful. And that, that like that gap between where you are and that gratitude that you feel is just like, that adds such another, like a richness to your life. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um yeah, it's special. And I think like the gratitude piece is so, so like I used to be one of those skeptics that was like, ah, fucking gratitude. Like write a word, a line a day about what you're grateful for. Please. So dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rich. Shout out to the five in a journal. Oh yes, yeah, shout I have my journal. It's so good. I've been doing that every day for like fucking years now. Really? Years. I love it. I journal, which is like obviously in a plain blank journal with no prompts or anything like that. Well, what I like about that is it's like a beautiful book. It's like a nice like hard covered book. I've got like their quotes, and every six months when you go through it, I like read the intro every time. So it's got all these like 
like scientific kind yeah. of like studies and I just like go back to the source of it and like what what the reasoning for it is and then the quotes are nice it's just kind of cute so I understand <coughs> my ADHD but I hate hardcover books notebooks cannot I will peg it on a wall I hate them so much I don't know what it is it's that in salary I can't stand it <laughs> like I so cannot I'm you for your birthday <laughs> hardcover <laughs> book on salary <laughs> <laughs> you better duck when you give it to me um yeah, I'm weird with paper and notebooks. It had they have to be a certain thickness, a certain color, a certain line width. I'm, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it, yeah. Am I the judge? <laughs> um, what is your biggest fear? I've been wanting to ask you that for ages. Whether it's actually like a fear, fear like oh, I'm afraid of sharks, or something more kind of in depth. I really don't like spiders or snakes. Okay. Or bees. I'll like get up and run. <laughs> like, like, you know when just bees are like around at a, like a restaurant? No, or, I've like, never a, had a bee around. Oh, like in a, in, you're in like a... You're in, like, a, a garden? Yeah, no, not a garden, but like you might just be in like a outdoor area of a yeah. restaurant and you're sitting in a cafe and it's just bee. I'll fucking bolt. <laughs> like, I'm gone. <laughs> I've been on and days before. I never before. saw Adam again. I've been on days before and I'm up and like ran. <laughs> Safe to say, there wasn't a second date. So there's going to be like no honey um, bearing with you? I couldn't get you to go do that, you know, be. <laughs> you know what's fucked? You probably could get me to go do it, but I feel physically, re- like physical repulsion. Wow. Like did I, you get stung when you were a kid or I something? Did. Oh, I, so, okay. so I was like, I remember it. I was like jumping on a tramp, my trampoline and there was like, I don't know, I'd go back and there was a big beehive in the like back porch and I just got stung on the face a bunch of times. And I don't really, like I don't remember the exact moment. But it was I remember enough. the like general gist of it. And now I'm just like. So... My biggest fear up until probably two and a half, two years ago, two and a half years ago, was the ocean. I hated the beach. Hated the ocean. You could not even get me to put my, like, toes in the water. Hated it. And everyone, like, my ex used to always hate, like, when summer came around, I used to hate summer because constantly people were like, do you want to go to the beach? I'm like, nope. No, 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 no. Um and he'd always be like just come down and I was like I, I can't I cut my body does not want to be at the beach I cannot go and no one bothered to ask me like why are you so afraid of like the ocean yeah that's my right? first question it's like what's up thank you right <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you're a little bitch I'm like I just hate it anyway uh it was because when I was a kid I drowned Oh. In the middle of the ocean off a fucking boat oh. so I have every reason to hate the ocean oh. right but what was interesting was it got to a point. So again, I'm going through this period in my life where I'm, you know, semi reckless, where I'm like, I just want to do all the things that scare me. Like, I don't like, I don't, I kind of got to this point where I hated being scared. I hated, like, not so much being not in control, but I didn't like when fear would rob me of the opportunity to grow. Mm. So then it was like, all right, could I potentially learn something from this experience? If it's an immediate yes, you need to try and do something to overcome it. Sure, it's going to be uncomfortable. Sure, there might be a bit of uncertainty, but you need to like push through. So, the uh, overcoming the fear of the ocean was like one of the biggest ones. I just didn't know how to go about it. And so, one of my friends is like, "Let's go like surfing. Let's go do surfing lessons." And I was like, "It's not enough." And they're like, "Dude, you won't even put your feet in the water. 
what do you want to do? I was like, I want to go swimming with sharks. Uh, can you swim? Uh, yeah, I can swim. Like I was a gun when I was a kid in pools. Could you swim when you drowned? Okay, so yes, but what happened was um, the life jacket that I had on, um, it wasn't done up properly. So it was half drowning me. And the more I was trying to like paddle, the more it was just like, I literally physically can remember it, like just suffocating the water. So there's two stories to this, right? So that one time I nearly drowned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So then I decided um, with my best friend to go and do the shark diving thing. And up until that point, I genuinely believed um, that I was afraid of what was under the water. So like sharks and, you know, fish and whatever. That's my, that's my concern about the ocean. Okay. So this is what I'm thinking. I'm telling myself as a 20 something year old, like you're afraid because, you know, a shark will come and eat you or, you know, jellyfish will come and sting you. And it was so interesting because we get into the water uh, onto the boat and then they stop the boat and they're like, all right, this is where we're going to, and you're in a cage. Like this was a cage dive. This was not an open water dive. Um, and they're showing you how to use like the masks and everything. And I just remember like my whole body just shut down. I was just like, fuck, 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 fuckity fuck. And then we got my, my best mate goes in the water and he's like, oh, you're right. And I'm like, yep, yep, all good. And what I realized was I wasn't afraid of the sharks or like ocean, uh, sorry, sea creatures. I was afraid of suffocating. What scared me the most was putting the mask on. And you hadn't even gone in the water? I hadn't even gone on in the water. I couldn't even put the mask on because that feeling of not being able to breathe was what was terrifying to me. So going under the water for the first like 30 seconds. Is this tie into your like relationships and the world? Everything. (laughs) My whole world cracked open. I was just like, oh my fucking God. Everything. Don't suffocate me. Seriously. The, the more like I've over, I've definitely overcome it now. I am a qualified scuba diver. Thank you very much. Um, the more I've overcome it now, the more I realize when I want to run away, especially with people and relationships, it's that feeling of like, I just feel like, but I can also put that down to my childhood. Right. So when I was growing up, my grandmother, God bless her, like love it a bit, but she used to, and it's why I don't like people touching me. Uh, I hate. I was gonna say, what's what are your love languages? People touching me, like I've just become a hugger at 28. I will allow if you ask permission, though. If you come and you just hug me, I'm like, what are you get away? Like, what are you doing? There's a lot. We are not compatible (laughs) because I'm like, hug me. (laughs) My human design is touch. My um, sensation or whatever it is is touch, which was really interesting to me because I was like, I don't like people. Like hugging me because I immediately feel like, um, but it's also touch in other ways. Like I'm always, I always like fidget with things. I play with my hair a lot, like stuff like that. Anyway, back to the suffocating story. So go under the water and I'm just like, I can't breathe. Like I can't breathe. And I couldn't breathe because I literally stopped breathing. Um, and then when the instructor was like, "Mm," like, blow bubbles, blow bubbles, blow bubbles. And I started breathing. It was like this realization of, huh, like, oh, you're fine. Like you're all good. You're, you're sweet. And then being under the water and like seeing the sharks, like come past, I was like, oh my God, I love it. Like, this is incredible. This is mm. so amazing. Um, so then that experience was like, okay, cool. Still haven't fully overcome it, 
But like I can, I can go into the water now. Like I ended up going surfing, getting lessons, and it wasn't like <gasps> I was like, no, nah, this is cool. This is really cool. And then I was like, that's it. I am going to go get my scuba diving license. We're going to do it at the Great Barrier Reef, and I did it. And it was the best thing I've ever fucking done. And I had to do it solo, so my friend couldn't didn't end up coming with me. So someone else filled their place, right? And it's like the world, the universe was literally saying, this is something you have to conquer on your own, and you cannot yeah. fall back on anybody else. Then the friend that I had come with me basically didn't clear the medical. So I had to do it by myself with the instructor, obviously. And I, that, do you know what came up at that point then? The fucking fear of rejection. Uh, I, wanted, rejection. I wanted this so badly that I didn't want to fail. And I was like, why uh, don't you want to fail? And I was like, this fear of being rejected, of like not getting what you want and like you want this so deeply and so badly for yourself, not for anybody else yeah. that comes up. I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm literally like swimming with these fish. Like, mm, I got it. I understand. I get it. Um, yeah. So I can officially say like, I don't have a problem. One of the things on my bucket list now is I want to go open shark diving in Hawaii. So you literally swim, like you're not in a cage. Like it's like you sharks. Is that a thing? It's a thing. Yeah. Do people die? I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. I wonder. I haven't Googled it. I don't plan on. <laughs> um, yeah, but those like little irrational fears, they're not so irrational when you actually like deep dive into it. Mm. So yeah, that fear of suffocating was one of them. And then I noticed how much it plays a role in like other elements of my life. I'm not yeah. quite sure how you get over that one. <laughs> the fear of suffocating. Mm. Well, I mean, there was... Something that I like have, have noticed recently is like going down and doing the ice baths for a while. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we, you, you have this feeling of dread every single time you do it Yeah. without fail. You can do it. Like I've, I did one for like 20 something minutes. Like there was, I was in there for a while at one point. And even then <laughs> the next time it's like, <sighs> yeah. like, fuck's sake. And when I started doing that stuff, I was like, I know I began to notice that the feeling that I would feel when I would do the ice, like just before pushing past and doing the ice bath yeah. was the exact same feeling I would feel when I needed to make an important phone call that had a problem that needed to be solved or there was uncertainty in like maybe, you know, a text or a possible rejection on a date or you know, whatever. Like there were so many different things that I began to notice that exact same feeling. And I'm like, huh, this thing again, damn it. And that every time from then on, I was like, whenever I felt that feeling, I was like, fuck, I have to do it now. <laughs> like, I'm so glad you said that. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because that is literally the one thing I always say about the ice baths. It's if you pay attention to the narratives you tell yourself before you get into the ice, it's, it's probably everything. the same narrative you tell yourself when you have to make the important phone call yeah. or tell a person no or yeah. any little thing like that. Um, and you don't run from it. You just, you do it. Yeah. You do it. There's a, I think there's like a Tim Ferriss quote where he's like, the quality of your life is measured by how many difficult conversations you can have. Yeah. Something along those lines, but yeah, you get the gist. Yeah. Yeah, So fear is probably one of my favorite topics to talk about because we all have it. There's, and it's not going away. Well, there's, there's this like, isn't this idea where, you're only as a as a child. You're only born with, as a baby. You're only born with two fears. It's like fear of loud noises and fear of falling. I think that's correct. Pretty sure. 
Yeah, and then there's like the four fundamental fears, which is fear of dying, fear of rejection, fear of failure, and fear of not being enough and not being loved. I actually don't know if they're the four fundamental fears. Yeah, but loud noises falling. Um, So basically, there are two fundamental fears ingrained in us from birth. The rest of the fears are, are sociolo- sociological fears. Conditioned. Like they're conditioned fears. They're fears that have come from your life experiences. So it kind of makes you think like if they've been learned in a certain way, they should be able to be unlearned with enough de-threading Absolutely. The science, I don't, I don't know what the science actually is behind it, but the part of your brain, is it the amygdala? That um, sees like in grey basically. So it can't tell the difference. It might not be that part of the brain, but there is a part of the brain that only sees in grey where it can't tell the difference between what is a possible threat that could get you killed versus what is a possible threat of just if you don't do it, you won't like learn or you won't. So for example, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah, You touch a hot stove and it burns you. You feel that like sensation immediately, you know, not to touch a hot stove because if you do that for long enough, you'll probably possibly die, you know, extreme cases, whatever. But, or like same deal, like look both ways before you cross the road. Because if you don't, you could get hit by a car, you could die. Yeah. But then doing something like, asking that person that you really like out on a date because you're so afraid of rejection. That's a precondition. That's just a conditioned belief that you have. Like it's not a thing. You can unlearn that by doing it enough times and then learning something new in the process of every time you get a no, well, maybe that person's just not the person for you, Mm. but one, one day you meet the person for you, you know, it's hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Damn straight. (laughs) There was, um, the, the, when you begin to go back to like the foundation of who we are as like a species, mm-hmm. we are evolutionarily cavemen mm. and women yeah. and people, you know, cave people. <laughs> <laughs> so we are cave people. <laughs> um, our brains have evolved to run away from leopards. <laughs> <laughs> Is the point I'm trying to make. Right? Our brains have evolved to run away from leopards and scary hippos and tigers that want to eat us. Yeah. And like run up, get, get away from the cold and survival mechanism. survive through our core, you know, understanding the ostracization. ostracization. I'm not even going to attempt it, but I know what you're saying. Ostracization, I think that's the word, through of your tribe your core tribe meant death yeah it literally meant death when we were hanging out in caves and throwing poop at each other and whatever the hell we would do back in the day um some guy in the back's just like i think i made a wheel (laughs) but overall the rest of us are just like anyway drawing stick figures i I digress (laughs) i really like how he's juxtaposed (laughs) anyway we digress the point I'm making is our brains are still there. Yeah. But we don't have those fears. We don't actually have those existing life-threatening concerns. So that type of the brain, like that bra- part of our brain, again, maybe it is the amygdala. amygdala. I think it is the amygdala. Yeah. You might be right, but we can check that. It's the size of a, um, like a peanut. You call it a peanut. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why we say peanut brain. 
Hmm. I don't I like know. That. Maybe. Maybe we can look that up. Okay. Where did peanut brain come from? <laughs> Maybe it's your story before you lose your train of thought. I would not, but I <laughs> anyway, so so the so this brain is wired to keep us alive. Yeah. And the majority of the things that are happening to us now are not fundamentally life-threatening. Mm-hmm. If you are ostracized by your community, you will survive. If you are walking down the street and you get spooked, you will be okay because there's highly unlikely a lion <laughs> trying to eat you. Unless you live in Kenya. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, yes, there are there edge cases <laughs> to this, but fundamentally in the Western world where a big chunk of the population live, you'll be okay. So what our brains begin to do is take that same fear-based response and apply it to everything. everything. Every single thing. Where it's, and it's not necessarily appropriate. Yeah. Uh, it isn't appropriate in most of the cases. And those who can understand that situation and can push against it tend to be the ones who succeed in whatever facet of you know the world that they're in. Can I use a, this is a really weird example um, of something that I did. So I did this series called 30 Days of Discomfort where it was that active pursuit of just things that scared me. And most of the time it was trying something new or doing something that I just never thought to have done. So I like went to a painting class by myself. I didn't like that feeling of doing something by myself. Everybody that was there was with somebody. And I just rocked up with like a paintbrush, like, hey, I'm here to paint. I've um, a bunch of times. I go out for dinner all the time. Yeah, so I never, I never, so I can go to coffee by myself, but like doing things at night for some reason, because in my head I'm like, people go out at night together. Like, anyway, weird thing. Anyway, so there was that. I went and learned how to sing, because that's a very vulnerable. Belt how to tune, let's go. No. Come I had on. One, Be vulnerable. One session. And I just experienced that vulnerability, like fully come out, because I was like, "Oh my god, she's judging me." Come on. No, absolutely not. Why not? Because uh, I need to finish the story before I lose my train of thought. Fine. <laughs> um, but then I did a high ropes course, right? And I didn't have a fear of heights or anything like that. Um, I learned how to skateboard in thirty days, and skateboarding was something that I'd always wanted to do because I always wanted to be one of those cool kids that could like ride around on a skateboard. Was never that kid. I was the pudgy little. Oompa Oompa. <laughs> anyway. <Red> hair. <laughs> I don't know. My hair was brown. I'm anyway. Um, and when I got on the board for the first couple of times, it was the most scariest thing ever. And it was that whole ice bath mentality, like doing something for the first time. There was also a risk of actually falling and hurting yourself or mm. falling and killing yourself as well. Mm. Um, so that was a very real threat. Because I'm also clumsy. So, you know. Um, but then when I mastered that, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like I can, you, you know. Can do more. I could do more, right? Yeah. Then I go and do this high ropes course. And it caught me off guard because, like I said, don't have a fear of heights. And I was on this one, one part of the, um, the course and I completely froze. <laughs> it's like my body and my body. Are you on like... Are you you're safe? Like, you're, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like it was literally just a thin line. And all that was holding you was like a rope attached to another rope. That is it. So what happens if you fall off? But you basically have to like... Oh. Yeah. It was so weird. Like I completely, completely froze. And my friend's like, are you okay? I'm like, no. Like I'm, I'm absolutely... I'm about to cry. No, I'm not. 
And it was so interesting because the first thought that came to mind was you've been here before and it was that very first time you stood on the skateboard. Mm. They were completely different scenarios, completely different. But my brain straight away went into this little imaginary toolbox and was like, what did you do the last time to push through? Mm. Because you made it. What did you do the last time to push through? Actually, I fell. And you keep falling. And then I kept falling. You kept falling. Um, But it was also just like constantly, like, sounds cliche, but putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. That was it. Just one foot in front of the other. There's a, that's given me like a really interesting kind of thought. Uh, I've been going down similar veins to you, but with different things and like building that confidence of my ability to learn and grow. Like Mm -hmm. there was, there was recently, it was like running a marathon and that was just like consistent effort over that like training period and believing you could do it and having a coach and having a bit of a peer group that helped you through it. And then the second, and once I like clicked that that was possible and like physically on physical feats, like I can actually do more than I thought I could. I'm like, well, what else do I want to do? It's like, oh, I want to learn to handstand. I want to learn to do these muscle ups. I want to learn to do a backflip and all these things that I'm like, I could never do that. Yeah. But like, I actually can. Yeah. And a lot of it's technical. Like there is some strength that needs to be worked on, but generally technical. And when I first started doing the handstand practicing, I was like, this is fucking scary. <laughs> like if you talk to my coach, um, he... I would be like messaging and be like, this is fucked. Like I, I can't stand upside down. Like, and I'm on the wall. Like the goal is to be able to hold myself up for 10 seconds, like off a wall. Yeah. And I'm, I actually, for the first time, got to like six or seven seconds a few days ago. So I'm like well oh, on my job. way to that thing. I'm well on my way to that, like that goal. Um, but when I began on this wall, I was like, freaking out and freaking out. And I was like, this is fucked. Like I'm going to die. I'm going to like break my neck and, all these things. And then, and then the coach was just like, you just need to learn how to fall. I've heard this before. Yeah. That exact saying. Yes. Learn to fall. My brother said that to me skateboarding. Actually. Yeah. Learn how to fall. Yeah. And I was like, what you? And I thought about it and I was like, okay, so yeah, what am I afraid? Of? I'm afraid of getting hurt. And I was like, okay. So the next thing was, all right, well, if I'm going to get hurt, the only way I get hurt is by falling prop improperly. So there's always a technique to everything. So if I learn to fall better, then I won't get hurt. Then I won't be afraid anymore. And then I just started practicing falling. So, and then I got to this point where I was like, okay, now I'm like, I'll kick up. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll do it here. I don't give a fuck. Because I know exactly what to do to get out of the problem. It's that, you know, it goes back to that whole, again, building the confidence to trust yourself and back yourself that, A, you know what you're doing. So in your case, you know how to fall. So you're safe. Yeah. Um, and do it enough times. It's just like, oh, I got this. Yeah. It comes with effort. You yeah. have to be willing to, Absolutely. to give Absolutely. it a crack. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. But I, I love, and that's the thing, like little they're not insignificant things, but like people aren't out there doing handstands to learn in a work about themselves. Like, but it all ties in. It's all the same yeah, shit. It's exactly. Exactly. All the same shit. That's what I try keep trying to like get across from people. And for me, it got to the point where I was like, I'm done explaining. I'm just going to go and do it yeah, yeah. and show people. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. Cause now people see it and go, Oh shit. Yeah. Look at that. What can happen if you do something for 30 days or I learned how to backflip. That was a big See. fear of mine. Yeah, I'm not there yet, but I'll That I'll was catch fucking up. terrifying because all I could think about was you're going to break your neck. And then I had to stop myself and go, you're 
like setting yourself up to break your neck if you keep saying you're going to break your neck. Like you're literally conditioning yourself to do that. So stop. How about thinking differently? Like, all right, if you're halfway through, this is how you fall properly. This is how you can like protect yourself. I did the same. Like I learned how to backflip into a pool and I'm like on the way to backflipping into land as well. So, oh, you teach me after that because I can only do it on trampoline. I haven't done tried on trampoline. I've just tried in a pool. Oh, okay. But yeah, um, we got to wrap it up because I got yoga at six. So I got to go too. Yeah. Well, Adam, ask you the question. Let's let's quickly go through. Do you have anything else you want to go? Well, I wanted to ask you the question now. Oh. So Adam, before we end the podcast, what would you do if you knew you had a year to live? How much money do I have? Like, is it right now? Like, yeah, let's do like, I, let's do I have a hundred grand sitting in the bank. A year from now. No, a year from now with your current state and everything, you know, right now, everything you have right now, what would you do? I would, I would take, I would write a list of my closest people that I love mm-hmm. and I would, um, just go and experience the world in all of its best ways with them, be that locally, be yep. that internationally. But I would just enjoy the world with the people I love the most. I love that. And that's where we should end the podcast. This camera's died, so we're talking to this one now. Um, false battery. <laughs> dude, you gave me a day. I haven't had a chance to. Um, next time we'll have a proper set up. So if you've tuned in this week, thank you for being here and we'll see you back here next time.